0: So, the teacher, she had an idea. She gave each of the kids one of these little plastic eggs. She said, well, it's recess today. I want you to go outside and I want you to find something that reminds you of springtime. Put it in the little plastic egg and bring it back and talk about it. So all the little kids went out on the playground and they found something on the playground and put put in their little plastic egg something that reminded him of springtime and they came back in and one little boy opened up his egg and he said a blade of grass ah yes that reminded him of springtime a little girl opened up hers a bit of a little butterfly oh yeah that's a, that's a reminder of spring and one little fellow opened up his and had a small flower in it there was a boy in the class with down syndrome and he was sometimes behind He opened up his egg, and it was empty. And then then the other children began to laugh, and the teacher, who was very wise, said, So tell me about that empty egg. And he said, The empty egg reminds me of the empty tomb at springtime. I that's pretty cool, huh? Nice to have you here, Dale. Oh, that didn't work too long. (laughs) When we we traveled in the Holy Land, we traveled in the Holy Land, we visited a couple of places that were very, very thought-provoking. They reminded us of the empty tomb. One of them was a church called the Church of St. Peter Gilligan II. They say that the church was built and raised and rebuilt, you know, with the Crusades and so forth. But They say that the church was built over the, the ancient site of the house of Caiaphas, where one of Jesus' trials was held. And underneath of that church, if you go into the church, there's a beautiful sanctuary and then there's a there's a uh, dungeon beneath the church and according to tradition when Jesus was being held for his trials he was thrown into that dungeon this is not a scripture but according to tradition Jesus was held in that dungeon and so people came to the church of St Peter Gillikin II, which means the cock crows kind of like bethel if you get here at the right time of the day you hear the neighbor's roosters crowing and if you see at this, uh, on, the, on the peak of this, the church is, uh, is a rooster, which is an ancient Christian symbol. A reminder of Peter's denial of the Lord and the importance of all of us being faithful and loyal to the Lord. But in this, uh, in this dungeon, we would have to wait to go down and have a, a brief service. And there were buses from groups from all over the world, from Africa and from India and from Europe and from Canada and the United States. There were just groups that lined up there, and then you could only have a short time down in that dungeon, and they would go down into that dungeon, and they would have a brief service, and then you'd have to wait there while they came out. And while you're waiting, they would come out, and they would always be weeping. So the African Christians would go down into the dungeon, and they would have their service, and they would come out, with tears on their face. And the Asian Christians would go down into that dungeon, and then they would come out wiping tears from their eyes. And the European Christians, hundreds of people, day after day, week after week, month after month, down into that dungeon and remember the suffering of Jesus and then there was the garden tomb and it was similar there you know it was a place like the place where Jesus may have he rose from the dead may have been a place like that the garden tomb and so pretty famous place and there were buses from all over the world and groups from Asia and Africa and Europe and America and Canada all over the world and they would come and they would wait their turn to visit the garden tomb and when Lois and I had our chance to go actually step in to the garden tomb, I was not prepared for the emotions that would overwhelm me that day. Because when we stepped in, I I saw that the tomb was obviously empty. And there was a little sign, an old sign, he is risen. And when I saw that sign, I remembered the basement of the church where I grew up. And I remember the Sunday school teacher on Easter saying, Jesus isn't in the grave anymore. He is risen. And it was that picture that she showed me. And the grave is still empty. And Christians all over the world are excited about that today. Because Jesus is alive, and we celebrate that Jesus is no longer dead, but that he's alive, and that's a very big deal. Why is that a big deal? I want to tell you four reasons why that's a big deal, and I promise it will take me less than four hours today, all right? So, like, just kidding. Yeah, it won't take me anywhere near that long. I want to tell you four reasons why the resurrection matters a lot. Let me tell you the first reason. The first reason, all right, we could tell you dozens of them, but I'm just going to tell you four. First reason why the resurrection of Jesus matters a lot, because it's this: because since Jesus was raised from the dead, you can be forgiven. And if Jesus wasn't alive, you couldn't be forgiven. You have, do um, you ever watch a, uh, a um, an athletic competition and they feature a particular athlete and they show the highlight reel of this athlete's life? all the highlights the greatest things that they've ever done and they're composed in one little short reel a few minutes long and it's all their amazing accomplishments have you ever seen that of course you have if, if there was a highlight reel of your life what would you put on there maybe a little, little bit of your wedding day Or like maybe not right or or on the highlight reel of your life it would be uh, when you graduated from high school or from college or or maybe that first date you never thought that you would land or it was the prom or what would be on the highlight reel of your life now we all would have one things that we want to remember never think about this though what about the low light reel hmm how about that what about the things that you wish you could forget What about the things that you don't want anybody to ever know? Do you have one of those? Oh, yeah, you don't have to raise your hand. We all have one of those. Of course we do. And you think about that. As a matter of fact, you you really don't like to think about it much. It can be just overwhelming to think of the things that you've done that you really wish nobody ever knew. And you like to think these are not things that characterize you. They're like the low-light, (laughs) low-life reel of your life. And one of the reasons the resurrection is important is because the Bible teaches this. If Jesus Christ is still dead, there's no forgiveness for anybody. Your life is one, continuous, unbroken, low-light reel, and one day you have to face God. Listen to what the Bible says in a famous resurrection passage. This is in 1 Corinthians, chapter 15, where the apostle Paul, who in a unique way met Jesus after he rose from the dead, he said, now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection from the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And then he says, if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is vain and our faith is vain. It's like we're, wait, we're burning our time. And then he goes on to say in verse 17, and if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. You are still in your sins. So that would be bad news if Jesus wasn't alive. But because Jesus is alive, you can be forgiven of your sins before God. Maybe you already know that. When I was a little boy, my parents taught me this. My dad taught me this when I was just probably five. I remember my mom teaching me this after school. And, and in my lifetime, there was that one time when you just, in a kind of a blanket way, you say to the Lord, God, I admit that I am a sinner, that I've broken your law, that I have done things that are shameful and that I've grieved you, and, I, and these are things that I know that are wrong. And, and my parents taught me that all that i had to do was confess my sin to jesus and that the reason that jesus died on the cross and was buried and rose again is to take the penalty of my sins on himself and to give me his righteousness before god in other words for you to be forgiven and for you to be right with god jesus had to die and rise again the scriptures say that frequently Romans, uh, I think I have the uh, passage here, Romans um, chapter 4, verse 24, Jesus was delivered up for our trespasses, and he was raised for our justification. I remember the passage in Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10 says this, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. If you confess in your heart Jesus is Lord, you believe that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved or delivered from the penalty of your sin for with the heart one believes is justified or made right with God with a mouth confession it, it one uh, confesses and is saved everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved it's a passage as well in Ephesians and of course this is all over the Bible there's a passage in Ephesians it also says we were one time we were dead in trespasses and sins in other words we were spiritually dead but when we believed in the, that Jesus died and was buried and rose again, when we believe that, then a miracle of conversion happens, and we're no longer spiritually dead, but we're spiritually alive. Question, has that happened to you yet? Because if that hasn't happened to you yet, you're like burning your opportunity. You're wasting the, what Jesus did. And you're, you're in a really great place today. Because this is a Christian church, and we're devoted to telling you the good news, that you don't have to live your whole life Under the burden of guilt you don't have to live your whole life under the burden of your sins you can be totally free of that and it's as simple as trusting that jesus christ died for your sins it's that simple now i I gotta tell you what happens when you believe and you have spiritual life and you're converted is the the bible teaches this that the holy spirit comes and lives in you and now you're gonna have a very much a new boss in your life and so i you know i don't want to bait and switch you here What happens when you say, salvation is a gift, right? It's a free gift that God gives us. Thank God. Can you say amen to that? It would seem like a good thing to say amen to. Yeah, it's a free gift. And, And when we receive that free gift, God takes over our life. And if you think about that, if God is good and powerful and holy and kind and loving, you want him to take over your life. It's good that Jesus Christ is alive. Because if Jesus Christ were not alive then you and I would still be in our sins. Here's a second reason it's good that Jesus is alive. Because Jesus is alive, we can be a friend of God. That's what. As a matter of fact, here's a couple of interesting stories that I will tell you. One, and these are both of these stories are what they call post-resurrection appearances, times that Jesus appeared to people after he was raised from the dead. One of them is a famous story. It's in Luke chapter 24, and the story is called the Road to Emmaus. People who have been there to the Holy Land, and especially a number of years ago, walk this road from Jerusalem to Emmaus, and it is a seven-mile hike, so it's a pretty good hike. And on that first resurrection day, there were a couple of disciples that were taking this walk and they were really confused about what had happened. And they were having a conversation as they were taking this walk. People that have been there say, the walk is the closer that you get to the village of Emmaus, the more beautiful it becomes. And when you get to the little quaint village of Emmaus, you actually have streams that run there and you actually have the citrus trees that grow there and you actually have flowers that blossom there. Imagine these disciples that were confused. They're walking around along the road on this first resurrection Sunday and they're confused about the things that had happened they're talking about that and then they're joined by a stranger someone that they don't recognize this is in Luke 24 that very day two of them were going to the village called Emmaus seven miles from Jerusalem the Bible says while they were walking and while they were this is in Luke 24 if you want to look at it while they were walking and discussing together Jesus himself drew near and went with him You understand, this is Jesus after he was cruelly tortured and he was crucified and he died... And he was buried and he rose again he joins them on the road and they don't immediately recognize their eyes were kept from recognizing him and he said to them what is this conversation that you're holding with each other as you walk and they stood still and they looked sad and one of them named cleopas answered are you the only visitor in jerusalem who doesn't know the things that have happened here these days and he said to them what things and they said concerning jesus of nazareth a man who was a prophet, mighty indeed in deed and word before God and the people. And now our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he would be the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it's now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women in our company amazed us, and they were at the tomb early in the morning. And when they did not find his body, they came back saying they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, But they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. How would you like to have been on that walk when Jesus says, let me explain, let me show you me in the entire Old Testament? let me explain this to you what's going on so they drew near to the village to which they were going and he acted as if he were going further I like that well I guess I better go now if you don't have any pumpkin bread (laughs) I guess I better go now and see if I can find some coffee somewhere oh no wait we have pumpkin bread and coffee right here stay with us I kind of like that they urged him strongly saying the pumpkin bread I made that up that's not in the Bible don't want you to get confused about this. Yeah, made that up. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. Oh, no, you should really. And he went to stay with them. And when he was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were open and they recognized him. And he vanished from their sight. And they said to one another didn't our hearts burn within us when he talked on the road and when he opened to us the scriptures and they rose that same hour they returned to Jerusalem they found the eleven and those that were with them gathered together and said the Lord is risen indeed hey let's say that together he is risen risen. (laughs) yeah that's what they said and he's appeared to Simon and then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread In the post-resurrection appearances, there's something that I noticed this week. And it's a sweet thing. And that is that Jesus isn't like a long ago and far away and Savior at arm's length. Jesus, God wants to be our intimate friend. You know, not like a Facebook friend. I have 4,400 Facebook friends. 4,400 Facebook friends. If they would just each give me a dollar a week... Just a dollar. I mean, just think about that. That wouldn't be so hard. I could live on $4,400 a week. I'd have to trim back a little bit, you know, but I could live on $4,400 a week, tax-free income. They're not really my friend friends, right? You know, it'd be like when I met Lois, you know, and, I, and, I, and I, uh, I, I wanted to monopolize her life. I wanted to be a part of her life. I didn't want her to say, if she, she, she didn't say, what if she said to me, Ken, here's what we're going to do. I know you like me. I know you're into me. That's really cool. I'm going to give you a book about Lois. You're going to have pictures to look at. You're going to have a lock of my hair. Here's, I'm one, one, on one page, I'm going to spray my perfume. You can sniff it whenever you want to. <laughs> that just wouldn't get it. I'd be like, no, I'd like to lie together in bed at night. No, no, I'd like to have babies that look kind of like us and grandkids. I want to never be apart from you. I want to know how you think. I want to be able to finish your sentences. I want our lives to be all woven together in intimate love. God doesn't offer us this, a Facebook friend kind of friendship. He offers an intimate friendship. You know, if you look around this place, you got people in this place that have walked with the Lord for a long time. They've had happy times. They've had sad times. Some of them have lost a dad or, or a sister or brother or daughter or son. And they've gone through with God, and God has been close to them. They've come into this building right here, and they've they've heard the voice of God in their soul. God doesn't love from a distance. He loves up close and personal, and if, would it wouldn't be that way if he weren't a living God. So because Jesus is alive, our sins can be forgiven, we can be right with God, and we can be a friend of God. We can be a friend of God. And here's the third thing. We can change, and some of you really need to change. I've been watching you, and like I'm saying, you need to know that's just true about everybody, right? But what, if, what, what, what would you change if you could change something about you? Now, I I watch my grandkids a lot on Snapchat and Instagram, and then I'm like, oh, my granddaughter, my 18-month-old granddaughter, Aspen Gale, was on Snapchat yesterday eating flaming Cheetos. (laughs) She couldn't stop. Her eyes were watering, and her face was red, and she would eat one and go, hot, 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 and then she would just eat another one, (laughs) and she wouldn't stop. And I'm like, you know, she can't stop. I'm like, I, I know the feeling. I, it's the same way with brisket with me. I'm like, I, I need to stop, but I but as long as there's brisket, I'm probably going to eat it. You know, it's just and and I probably should eat less brisket. You know, that would be one thing. I was at a church one time. Or I saw this at a church one time, and what they had done is they in order to show how Jesus changes people, like transforms them. You know, not your basic personality that's going to stay the same, but morally and spiritually in your character, God can change you. Only God can transform somebody inside out. Same person, but different morally, spiritually, in your character. God can transform people inside out. So I go to this church. I I notice this church. And in order to demonstrate how people in their church have been changed, they do a thing called cardboard testimonies. How many of you have seen cardboard testimonies? Some of you. So this is so cool. They have the person, they walk across the stage of the church, and they're all lined up, the people in the church, and they come up with a cardboard. And the cardboard might say, you know, alcoholic. And then they flip it over on the other side, and it says, free for seven years, clean and sober, seven years. And then everybody cheers because they're different somebody else comes up with a cardboard you know on this side i was cruel and insensitive to my wife flips it over god restored my marriage that awesome right and then over and over again they would come by with a cardboard and it would say their their heartache on one side and how god transformed them so if you had a cardboard you were holding here and on this side something that you wanted to change what would it say What would he say? More loving? More honest? Self-control? I'm a bigot? I'm thoughtless? What would he say? If you're really, really honest... We don't want to say because we fear we can't change, but because Jesus is alive, the Bible says we can change. It's called the power of the resurrection. That's what the Bible calls it, the power of the resurrection. The Bible says the same power that raised Jesus from the dead can transform us, can change us. Take your Bibles if you'd like to follow along and, and, and listen as I read in Romans and chapter 6 verses four through nine this is just one example in the bible there are many where the bible promises that you can be transformed inside out your personality is the same right your person is the same your basic personhood is the same but you are character your character and your moral life and your spiritual life are transformed you become the person you always knew you wanted to be because only god can do that And he uses the power of the resurrection chapter romans chapter 6 verse 4 we're buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the father we can walk in newness of life did you get that i remember when i memorized romans 6 and i kind of blinked when it hit me what was it that raised jesus from the dead according to this passage The brightness of god the power of god the character of god the glory of god the same glory the same power the same beauty the same spiritual power that brought jesus back to life works in every christian to bring life to every christian that means you can change don't let anybody tell you it isn't true millions of jesus followers all over the world have been changed inside out transformed when they follow jesus pretty exciting business And it says, for this we have been united with him in death, and we will certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self is crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. Did you catch that? For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him, and we know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again, and death no longer has dominion over him. And because death doesn't have dominion over him, sin doesn't have to have dominion over you. You can change. You say, how does that, how does that work? Come back next week. I'll be talking about that. See what I did there? Yeah. Okay, so seriously, I have, <laughs> I have a proposal for you, a modest proposal. Have you enjoyed your day? Yeah. We do this every week. Okay, so here's the deal. I'm launching a series of messages next week. This is a bald, shameless appeal for you to come back five weeks in a row. I think we did this before. It's called the Bethel Challenge, right? So I want to add to the Bethel Challenge. I want to challenge you to consider next week we launch a series of messages that are extremely practical, almost like a seminar on how to be like Jesus, a seminar on how to sin less and how to do what God wants you to do more. A seminar, a five week seminar of teaching from the Bible, of five tools to craft a holy life. What we're gonna be teaching on are five different things that help you add virtues to your life that you've always wanted there and take vices out of your life that you haven't wanted. Tell your husband he needs to come to that, tell him right now just look over there and say you need to be there No, tell your wife honey i'm bringing you to that just got you in a lot of trouble there on easter i'm just kidding come back five weeks in a row what we'd like to do and i want to be very candid here is we feel like if you decide you know what i'm going to commit to to that you know hour hour and a half hour hour and 15 hour and a half every week five weeks in a row to be honest and, and not to be tricky with you we think it might be habit forming and that would be a really good habit i can bring you i can take i can bring to you thousands of people literally thousands of people that would say you know what being in worship and sitting under the teaching of the bible has been really good for me and so I just want to say to you, we would love very much to, for you to come back for every one of these messages. And if you're going to go visit your granny on one of those weeks, and that's a good thing. We actually have a, a live feed broadcast of our service, and we have it uh, recorded. So in case you have a really good like doctor's excuse for missing, you can make up for that. And you can still get those five talks on how to craft a holy life. That's what we call the, the Bethel challenge around here. Let me tell you another reason why it's important that Jesus was raised from the dead. It's important because we can be forgiven and we can be like God. It's important because God God wants to be our friend. We can be a friend of God because Jesus is alive. It's important because we can be transformed because Jesus is alive. And it's also important for another very important reason, and that is because you're going to die someday. I saw this on Facebook. I shouldn't have been watching this. Yesterday, this guy, his pastor, it's Easter, right? Church is packed. And he decides he's going to do an illustration of the fact that everybody's going to die. So he puts a coffin on the stage. Did you see this? The guy had it going on. He was all dressed up, and he, was, he had a commanding voice, and he was telling everybody the truth, you know. We're all going to die someday. And then he walks over, and this is an old wooden casket. It's standing up, not laying down. It's standing up. It gets narrow at the bottom. This guy gets in the casket, starts to close the door, and the thing tips over on it. <laughs> I was like, oh, that would be a worse nightmare. He's trying, he, he made a me- memorable point, right? he was saying, we're all going to die someday. And I'm going to embarrass myself really bad here right now, but we're all going to, we're all going to die someday. And you know, maybe when you're young, you don't think about that much, but you have to get very old before you start, you start thinking about that a lot. You don't heal as fast as you used to. I mean, I don't want to depress you, but you're getting wrinkly. You're losing your hair. Your teeth are rotting out. Aren't you glad you came today? And then you notice stuff like, you know, those advertisers on TV where they're always advertising all the kind of drugs and all the side effects. And, you, and you know, when, the older you get, the more you think, I'll risk the side effects. Give me the drugs. You know, I just need help. You know, as long as I don't have to eat spinach and cauliflower and Brussels sprout and green beans and whatnot, just give me the drugs. You know, you, you know like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's a problem. You think about it. <laughs> That's why it's so important to come to church on Easter every year and to be reminded that Jesus isn't dead but that he's alive and he's never going to die again and you don't have to die again either heard about a lady who lived to be 114 years old before before they died before she died they went and they said to her so what's the secret of your longevity she was a African American lady down in Louisiana they said, "What's the secret of your longevity?" She says, "I just try to live a clean life and be honest and fair to people and whatnot." And they said, "Really? What did you like? What did you eat?" And she says, "Well, just normal stuff." Well, they said, "Like what? What, what, what did you eat?" She goes, "Like what, do you, what? did you have for breakfast?" She says, "I have uh, get up every morning and I eat I, eat, I, eat, I bacon and eggs." They go, "Really? I, yeah." So every morning you you have bacon and eggs and you were 114 years old. She goes, "Well, to be honest, I." Sometimes I have bacon later in the day, too. i like, <laughs> tell me more. Oscar Mayer, not lying. Oscar Mayer shows up with a weenie mobile the next week and gifts her with bacon, you know? So even if, even if bacon doesn't kill you or you don't try to live on Pop-Tarts or whatever, you're going to die someday. And then what? Is there anything after that? So you know, something to think about. Or, or there's something else to think about. What about people who, who die? Is that it? It's like we never see them again. Some, this is a small church, but we've had some sad deaths in the church. Your, your sister died this year. Your, your daughter died. Your, your dad died. Is that it? You just say, well... Was a good life, and now it's over? Or is there more? There's more. There's more. Years ago, I pastored a church in, in Fremont, Michigan, and they had this cool tradition. I know you probably have done it here. They really took it seriously. They Every year, if you had somebody that, who knew the Lord and who had died, you, you would buy a lily, and you would have their name on it especially if they died that year, somebody you loved a lot. And then they would take that lily and they put that name on there. And then they would stop during the Easter service and they would read that name out loud. First year I got there, I didn't know a lot of people in the church. So the church secretary, her name was Irma Murphy. Church secretaries know everything. She knew Everything. And she came in without even asking my permission. She came walking in my study one day and she sat down and across from my desk, she pulled her chair up and she said, Pastor Pierpont, I'm going to need some of your time right now. And I said, well, Okay, well, what, what is it? And she had a stack of cards. She said, Pastor, this is serious. It's going to be Easter soon. And there's some people that you never met that I need to tell you about. And then she started going through that stack of cards. And she started telling about those people who were dear to the life of that church. Daughters and husbands and dads and grandpas and sons and moms and grandmas, and aunts and uncles. And... and she said, when you stand up on Easter and you read their names, because they're with the Lord in heaven, they're not dead, they're alive. I wanted you to know a little something about them. I love I loved serving that church. My, my study was right under the biggest speaker for the organ and on friday verna percy would go get her hair done (laughs) and she would always come in and play that organ really loud and i would just sit there and think well i can't study right now i guess i'll just listen to this beautiful music and then on easter you know everybody would come and we'd read all those names and verna would open up that organ and it would just ring out through that church people would weep with confidence and faith that there is an eternal life this is not all there is to it because jesus is alive we can be alive someday (laughs) one day verna and claire percy they claire died and and then verna died and last year I was just kind of remembering this and I was thinking well they they read Verna's name and they read Claire's name and someday they're going to read your name and mine but will it be with confidence that you have eternal life hey this is what this is what Paul said But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He's the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by man came death, by man came also the resurrection from the dead. For as in Adam all die, in Christ shall all be made alive, but each in his own order. Christ, who is the firstfruits, and then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end, when he delivers the kingdom to God, the Father, after destroying every rule and every authority And every power, and he must reign until he has put all enemies under his feet. And the last enemy to be destroyed is death. Now, today, before you go, what we're gonna do is we're gonna sing a song. It's a song about living again. And I wanna be really straightforward with you. I want to be able to have an extended conversation with you. Some of you need to have a, a conversation about this, a Jesus conversation. You need to sit down and get your questions answered and make sure that you're right with God and that you know God. Some of you need to come back to Jesus. You know that you should be following him and you've been drifting away and you need to come back and say, Jesus, I'm back. You need to tell him that. So here's a couple of ideas. I'm going to go grab some cards off of my desk, my business card and you come up to me afterward and say, I need your card, I want your card, that means we're gonna have a conversation, we'll connect and I'll sit down with you, have a conversation, if you're a lady, we'll arrange for you to meet with a lady that can talk and have a personal conversation with you and, and have a, a conversation about Jesus, and that be awesome, and we have people that are gonna come at the end here and they're gonna stand across the front, if you wanna have a conversation today, i if you have somebody pray for you, at the end when people go that way, you can come this way, and there's some sweet people. They'll have, matter of fact, um, they're going to come during the last song. You'll see them up here, and you come up and talk with them, or you can get my card. And if it's if the first time you've been here, or if you never fill out that card, go back to those tables. And we're going to have people from our church and give you a gift. And it has a connection card in there, too. Let's keep this thing going, let's have a conversation about. Like, what is your next step? Would you stand? And let's let's close our service today by a powerful musical declaration of the risen Christ. Let's sing together.